The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. It's brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And Kinetic Skateboarding, get free tunes for the life of your board with the purchase of any new snowboard. We are back from an extended break, but not everybody is back. Mike, traveling back from the West Coast. Well, we'll get an update on his situation. He will be back on Wednesday. So we have two guest co-hosts. First half of the pod is Mr. Paywall himself, Derek Bonner, first person ever to have three separate paywalls. So we'll talk to Derek about his third paywall, uh, if Doc Rivers is an asshole or not, whether it'll get any better this year for the Sixers. So that'll be first half of the pod. Second co-host is Trista Crick. Trista, currently of BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, formerly of Barstool. And if you're a Sixers fan, you simply know Trista as somebody who shit-talked Ben Simmons so much, it became her defining characteristic on the internet for a little while. So uh, I love Trista to death. So Trista will be the second part of the pod. Also, while Trista's on, we have to hear Fat Joe give Ben Simmons an award for this year. Before we get going, I did mention our podcast sponsored by uh, Kinetic Skateboarding. Look, maybe you got a $50 Visa gift card or cash for Christmas. You need somewhere to spend it. Kinetic skateboarding. Go there. Uh, I I swear, if I did not have more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I sit and scroll through that store all the time, and I would buy every hoodie they had if I didn't have any, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, CJ? Any, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, if you don't eat bad food all the time, you have, you don't a know, a good diet. No, nah, whatever. I love Kinetic. <laughs> Go to Kinetic. Uh, you could use uh, promo code Dave Silver for nine point one percent off your first order on the website kineticskateboarding.com or free tunes for the life of your board with the purchase of any new snowboard. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with no Mike. Mike returns Wednesday. So for his first appearance in years, yeah. I think, Mr. Paywall himself is back. Godner, Derek Bodner, welcome back to the Ricky Derek. So how does this, do I have to start off with like a 10-minute monologue on 10-day call-ups? 10-day uh, hardship? <laughs> like, do, we, do you need a retrospective on Stanley Johnson's Arizona career? Uh, uh, I can give you a couple you, minutes on MJ Walker. At Florida State, he just signed with the Suns. I could do that. I just I want to make sure that this podcast is as close to normal as possible, and it feels like what Mike would be doing. Well, how about 
I, I saw Haywood Highsmith, I think, had nine points the other <laughs> night for Miami. If you have something on that, we could certainly do that. No, I really have no interest in being Mike on this one. Sorry. I just. All right. No. Well, walk, welcome back, Derek. I appreciate you filling in for Mike. You don't have to fill Mike's specific role. You can okay. just be Derek okay. for that. So I mentioned, I, I want to do the, the top line of it. So I know a lot of our listeners are probably Derek subscribers anyway. We're Derek subscribers to his original. Uh, platform, his original paywall platform, and then he went to the athletic for a while. Uh, but a lot of a lot of them, you know, don't know what's going on with you. So sure. um, Derek has a new newsletter called the Daily Six. It he left the athletic, and now he is providing Sixers content directly from him to you. So I guess my first question for you, and I know you you wrote it, but like from your from your mouth is like why you decided to do uh, to leave the athletic and go back to doing this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's something where, you know, I, I sort of had a, an opportunity to really think about how I wanted to cover the team for the first time in a while. Um, you know, I certainly, when I left Patreon to go to The Athletic, um, you know, there was a, a bunch of reasons. Um, building out a staff, building out a new product, all that was great. Uh, I think people sometimes look at The Athletic now and it's like this big media company. But back then, like there were, I think, four cities that had launched prior to me joining on. So like being able to launch that was great. Um, a little bit of security, you know, at that point in my career, I had just uh, left my network engineering job uh, like six months earlier and I was real insecure about, well, being a full-time writer. Um, but I, I, the more I thought about it, even back then, there was a little part of me that watched Ben Falk and him remain independent and him building out his own thing and sort of wondered what if. Um, and as I got closer to uh, my contract being up with The Athletic, I just really thought a lot about how do I want to cover the team and where can I do that the best? And over time, I think that that answer became pretty clear. It just took me a couple of months to sort of summon up the courage to do so. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a weird spot because I feel like I'm supposed to sort of like trash the athletic as I do this because that's how you sort of like differentiate your coverage. But I really enjoyed my time there uh, and I really enjoyed the opportunity I had there. Um, but it just felt like a little more of a grassroots type thing where I want to get back to sort of focusing a little more on subscriber retention and like convincing, like when I sit down to write, I want to write something that will convince you to renew your subscription. Right. Whereas with the athletic more and more, I felt like, how can you expand your reach? How can you reach people that don't know of you? Which I don't think is wrong. Like, I think it leads to a lot of really good feature writing, but in terms of the day-to-day -day minutia, um, you know, team building, like I want to cover the team building aspect of a basketball team. And I feel like I can do that best here. Uh, and I think I'm just dumb enough to give it a shot and and try it. Um, and this is all really I'm really awkward talking about myself. In my well, it, no, I, but it's a I, it was I a mean, challenge. It, I, it was a challenge that's always been in the back of my mind. And I think now is the right right time. Yeah, I I mean what you're talking about as far as what their goal is as opposed to what your goal is is like they're a company that is trying to grow and get bigger and and sell the company and, and yeah. sell the company and and do all those things and that that doesn't that doesn't always uh, You've always got to constantly reach a new audience right. that doesn't know of you. Um, and like right. I said, I just want to get back to how can I, when I sit down to write, I want to focus on how can I convince you that this subscription is worth it and how can I convince you to renew? And I feel like being a smaller, leaner, independent shop um, is the right place to do that. Well, I, I do think there is something to what, what we do here. The reason like... The reason I think it's so good that the Ricky is not attached to any bigger organization is that 
we will succeed or fail based on what we think yeah. is the you know is the best thing to do and there is some now, now the difference between me and you in this particular thing which is what i wanted to ask you about is that if tomorrow the ricky failed i still yeah, have a yeah, job yep. <laughs> right so um how how scared are you of doing this <clears throat> i mean you do you do have skills right if it failed you could just go being back to a computer guy or no? Sure, but that that field evolves very quickly. Being out of work in that field for five years, I'd be starting from the ground up. Uh, it would right. not be. I, I would prefer for this not to fail. Um, and I'm, uh, <laughs> it, it, it won't. I'm already at a spot where it, it won't. Um, yeah, no, it's terrible. Look, I think when I came to the decision months and months and months ago, there was a sort of like a little, I was at ease for a couple months there. And it was probably not true because like the week before launching, I was in a panic. It was like, oh, like I started like looking at what I own, like, all right, I can eBay this. Uh, I don't really need this. And you like, you had a momentary panic. Um, look, it, uh, like I said, part of the re reason that I was comfortable going to the athletic back in 2017 is because the thought of like, I woke up every day with the Patreon going shit. Today's the day they're going to unsubscribe. Like everyone's going to unsubscribe at once. It was terrifying. Uh, I do think I'm a little more comfortable now, both because I think the newsletter marketplace is a little more fully fleshed out. Um, because I think that I'm a little more comfortable where I am in my career. I know I'm going to continue to have access to the team and, and to the people who uh, are involved in the league, and I have an audience. I don't necessarily need an outlet for and to have an audience like that. Um, hi, Rebel. Um, I'm say hi to my is. cat, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm just a little more comfortable to take this risk. Uh, and like I said, I, I think The Athletic is a good product, and I believe in what they're doing. Um, but it was a, it was the right time for a, a new challenge. Do you ever wonder what would have happened if you just never went to the athletic? All the time. Like I said, I yeah. sat there and I watched I watched Ben Falk. I'm I'm good friends with Ben. Um, and I watched him succeed on his own. And more and more, you've seen a lot of writers. Um, so Ben know, Falk is cleaning the glass. Correct. Who, Correct. who Correct. started? Who was a former, you know, uh, uh, NBA Vice exec, president of basketball strategy, I believe is what his uh, title was. And, and Cleaning the Glass, if you're not a subscriber, is a, a cool site where he's basically invented a, an entire new conversation around like statistics and, and what he counts and how he counts it. So there's the writing portion of it, but he's also built out like this entire other world. I was just giving some context yeah, about what sure. Ben is doing. Right. Yep. Um, great site. Go subscribe to it. Um, useful, uh, both in terms of what he's done to help explain the game. And I think he's really talented uh, in terms of explaining that. Uh, and also with his uh, statistical tools. But yeah, I just saw him doing that, and I saw more and more writers, not necessarily, you know, a little bit Mark Stein, um, a little bit Ethan Strauss leave to do this uh, now with Substack, um, but more, even across other spheres, tech spheres, um, political spheres, there's more and more people are trying it, and I, uh, yeah, I thought it was the right time. Uh, and so like it, I said, I, it's not, uh, it, I was never going to go anywhere else. Like I didn't, when I decided I was going to do this, I didn't like reach out to like, ESPN or the ringer or a local place like NBC sports. It was either I was going back to the athletic or I was giving this a shot. So. Well, good luck, man. The daily awesome. is where somebody would go to yeah. subscribe. Uh, daily you can go to daily slash RTRS 20 and get 20% off. Oh, there you go. 9.1% off your first order. With, uh, <laughs> um, oh, 20% off. So uh, daily, is it the daily com or just daily six? No, just daily com. I tried, I tried to get the, cause for some reason I feel like the is better. Um, mm -hmm. But the guy never responded to me with the domain. Spell out the word six? Correct. Correct. Spell out the word six. So 
actually, I'll do this before we get because I want to start talking about basketball with you because we I, I actually want to talk about good, but good luck. And um, I think, you know, like there uh, it's amazing that being writing about one team for basketball can be a whole job. But but like to doing any of this could be a whole job. Just when you think about it, when you take a step back, you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. But I'm glad that you've uh, <laughs> you've cemented yourself into a place where where you can do this. And people obviously think a lot of, you know, that the athletics growth in Philadelphia was in large part due to like what you did there. So uh, you doing this, it's always neat to build something new. So I, I wish you nothing but the best in doing it. Launching the Athletic Philly, it truly was. Like, I, I think people don't realize how, not, I won't say grassroots, but how small it was um, to sure. take that. Uh, and there was no like national NBA staff behind it. And there was no um, really name recognition when you enter the market. That will always be something that I, I, I cherish in my career. Sure. So the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented. We do not have a paywall here, uh, but thankfully we have DraftKings Sportsbook, who is uh, allows us to not have a paywall. So thank you, DraftKings, the the presenting sponsor of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. And before we started, I went to look to see if Embiid's MVP odds had changed at all, and he's still plus four thousand, which is behind LeBron at plus three thousand. If LeBron wins the fucking MVP, I will have a heart attack. I, don't, I think they're under five hundred. It's enough already. Fucking LeBron. Curry is the favorite at plus 115. Durant at plus 240. I still like Giannis at plus 850. And I still like the Bucks as a, uh, a futures bet to win the title. Uh, NFL season winding down. Playoffs here very soon. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers bet five, five bucks on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, you get 200 bucks in free bets. That even includes today. So if you're watching live uh, or if you're listening live, one of those games today, bet five bucks, get 200 bucks in free bets if they win. Um, same game parlays are now on DraftKings Sportsbook. I know everybody loves game, same game parlays. I'm terrified of same game parlays, but I know they're a lot of fun. They are now at DraftKings Sportsbook. And, uh, and of course, there's the casino there as well. So you can play blackjack when you're not doing anything, which is what I do. You can deposit your money whenever you want, withdraw whenever you want. DraftKings, safe, secure, reliable, and uh, and we love them. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS to bet 5 bucks on any NFL team and win 200 bucks in free bets if they win. That is promo code RTRS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. Back to Embiid. Since coming back from COVID, has has had a, a great stretch of great play. If you were to whittle down what the difference between Embiid right now compared to pre-COVID Embiid would be, what do you think he is doing best now that he wasn't doing then? Well, I think the obvious one is the jump shot. Like yeah. that jump shot is going in and that opens up the world for him. Uh, that First of all, it's unguardable. Uh, it opens up his driving lanes. It opens up passing lanes. Uh, it is, it's really what set him apart last year in his MVP runner up season. Uh, and it is certainly, it just wasn't there to start the season. And I thought the shots he was getting was fine, but um, that coming back is, is huge. And I think he's just moving a little bit better. Uh, he He's into a rhythm right now that I don't know that he was earlier in the season. Um, he's, I think it was, it might've been AU, who, who mentioned this, but like, I think a lot of times we talk about Embiid's window and we just assume that like it's a ticking time bomb. And it, look, he's a huge human being with lower body injuries. But it also might be true that we haven't quite seen the best of him yet. And he is playing at an MVP level since he's come back from COVID. And for as much as this team is frustrating and, and agonizing, that is still very, very 
exciting. Right. Well, yeah, I've said this a bunch of times, and like it seems it seems obvious, but but a player's prime is where, like, you know, like your mental ability to play probably gets better and better and better as you get older. If you could play physically until you were fifty five, you would be a much better player than you were at twenty seven. So, but so the prime is this point where your meant the mental part of the game has evolved to a place, and you still have the physical tools to do it. So. I think the interesting thing with Embiid is he was such a special player physically at the beginning of his career. I think it maybe lulled us into thinking that his game was more dependent on that sure. than it is, right? And I, I see him, I've always compared him to Ewing, but I see that that face-up, you know, 17-footer that he has, Did that that will never go away. Yeah. No, and you know he, I mean? he, he'll probably become a better shooter as time goes on. His understanding of... The game and handling double teams will continue to get better. If there's one concern you have about him athletically, it's defensively, especially with the way the NBA is, especially with how tough it is, even for elite rim protectors to defend in the playoffs. Um, you worry about that a little bit aging, but offensively, he should age fine. Yeah, I, I think so too. The who do you think? Because before we talk about Maxi, if you were to pick any player in the NBA to be the perfect perimeter player to play with him. Because we, we've talked about Harden and we've talked about Lillard and we've been like, they'd be perfect, they'd be perfect, they'd be perfect. And I wonder if they are. Who do you think the most perfect perimeter player to play with him would be? Well, I mean, the the cheap one is Steph. Um, oh, right, 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 right. But Dame is prime Dame. Um, and we can get into whether or not we think that is realistic. Prime Dame is pretty close. Um, with his shooting, his ability to pull off, off the dribble, um, his passing off the pick and roll. He's he's pretty close, I think. And he's... Dame can play off ball too. Um, he's he's pretty close. He's pretty close. I sort of wonder whether he would do better with a player who is a little less interested in scoring. I I with think maybe that, like Clay. Not no, that Clay's uninterested, but Clay's no, so like good I'm, off ball. I'm thinking about a more standard point guard like like Chris. Uh, just for lack of a better word, of lack of somebody's popping into my head, Chris Pauls, like sure. somebody who can score when necessary, but is less interested in scoring, but can do it. Um, and, and can is competent and effective handling the ball at the end of games. Like, I wonder, we've said on the pod a bunch of times, like maybe the peak Embiid scores 23 points a game and not 28 points a game. Oh, sure. Like, but, but maybe not. Right, like, what if the best Embiid is scoring this much, and he needs a, a like a lead playmaker to to make him a better scorer than to take some of the scoring load off of him? Like, maybe that's more important. Yeah, I, I still think the NBA is so dependent on having an elite perimeter scorer that the right. best version of the team, I think, is is closer to what you were saying. Embiid scoring twenty three to twenty five, probably being their number two option offensively, and having a little more to give. On the defensive side, but it's a it's a fair question for sure. Um, I do worry a little bit about CP3 and how much he's going to command the ball, and, and whether you know Joel, it takes him a little while to get into his offense. Whether right. or not that might hurt him a little bit. CP3's a basketball genius, so they'd probably figure it out. So I mentioned Maxi. How close do you think Maxi is to being good enough to being a key part of a championship level team? Like if 10 is, he's all the way there. How close do you think he is? He gets better so quickly. Yeah. That it's one thing, like if you had to, I had to say right now, it would probably be like a six or seven, seven maybe. Hmm. But by the end of the season, that could be a seven or an eight. 
Um, you know, I do think that he's so much more comfortable shooting off the dribble than off the catch. And I do think that what he showed against the Nets is what happens when he is comfortable taking those catch-and-shoot threes and when defenders have to close out on him. Um, if he can just get comfortable doing that a little bit more, uh, I think he slotting him into a role on his team, a high-usage role on his team, becomes a lot easier. Uh, I would say he's he's pretty close to having a role. The question is whether the Sixers have enough where they don't need more from him. Um, right. Right. How much do they need from him? Right. Like, right. 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 The, is, the, I've, you, I've heard. I've heard you talk about this before in the past. So I do think when you start like trying to envision what is his role on a championship team, the combination of being a a poor defender through little fault of his own, but just the fact that he's a short guy, um, and also not having elite passing instincts, and also not being an elite off the catch shooter. Uh, there's when you start sort of like checking those boxes and filtering what other primary ball handers can play alongside that, it becomes a little tough to. Uh, find players who can. Um, so I do worry a little bit that we're just going to need a little more playmaking out of him. And that's pr- probably the part of the game that I still worry about the most. Yeah. Being the opposite side of Mike sometimes puts me in a more negative, seems like I'm being more negative than I am when I just, that is my question with him is, and I keep bringing it up. I always say like, okay, well, what is the, like, what is the optimistic? Here's who he is thing. And it's a very confusing sort of yeah. thing because Mike says Kyle Lowry all the time. And he's I, I don't think he's like Kyle Lowry at all, really. I, yeah. I I mean, you know, he would have to become such a better point guard to be Kyle Lowry is my my concern. And that doesn't mean that I don't think he's good. I just I imagine him a lot more as a 23 minute bench guy on a title team than as a primary guy, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think he needs to take a step somewhere, whether that is bulking up just a little bit. You don't want to bulk up too much because that might impact his athleticism. Um, but bulk up a little bit, become a deadly off-the-catch shooter, or just become a little bit more willing of a a, a passer and a setup man. Uh, you'd yeah. like to see growth over the next two to three years in one of those aspects. Yeah. And I think that the Nets game, you know, he hit big shots, and it was a great game for him. We scored 25 points or whatever whatever it was. But like to me, watching that game makes it so evident that if if he becomes like a real shooter, how much it changes things because so much of him hitting big shots was him getting the ball in the corner and then hitting a couple of threes. But then all of a sudden when he hit them, then like the then all of a sudden they were they they're scared of him shooting yeah. it and it just changed things. And to me, it was mostly that in that game that was so eye-opening as opposed to like his two-man game stuff with him. Yeah, he, he's so quick. Like legitimately one of the fastest players in the league with the ball. And he has such good body control and touch around the rim that he doesn't need like a opposing player to close out completely off out of control in order to get a lane. He needs like a, a defender to be leaning the wrong way just for a second and a driving lane opens wide up. And when that happens, he is going to crush those. Uh, the world's going to open up for him. He's going to become a better off the dribble shooter or off the, off the dribble scorer and penetrator just because he has a little bit of an opening. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see him embrace that off ball catch and shoot game a little bit more. I think that's a real swing skill for him. And I think he's becoming better. He's just not as comfortable as he is off the dribble yet. Before we get to like, what's going to happen though, I, I need to ask you about the doc thing. So, so doc, Keith Pompey asked doc basically about them struggling with teams that had, you know, most of the roster out after a win. He did it after a close was Toronto game, right? And and basically, basically like 
Doc Rivers called it a dumb question, said, you haven't played basketball enough. Like the same horseshit that he's been doing for the entire time that he's been here. And I just think my question for you is as a member of the media, not that I'm some like great media protector, but like the notion of answering somebody and saying, well, you haven't played enough basketball. That question is stupid. Just feels so entirely disrespectful to me. And I wonder what it's like to be as a member of the media when you think that there's a possibility that the the coach may answer you in a way that either doesn't answer your question or insults you. Yeah, um, I mean, that that to me is is fine. I've been called far worse than a dumbass. Um, <laughs> and it's a little worse having it done on a live uh, post game, but whatever. Like I'll be called a dumbass many times in my life. Um, but yeah, I do think it was completely out of line for him to do that. And I, it, it puts me in an awkward spot because I'm like sticking up for Keith Pompey and that's usually not my go-to. Right. Uh, and also, uh, like it, it, you know, I think Doc is real sensitive to, here's what I'll say. At one point in my article when I talked about that, uh, I said that he doesn't like being held accountable by people he doesn't think are qualified to do so. And I got some feedback from people around the league that have worked with him and I think that's pretty close to spot on. Um, you know, I think he gets real defensive at times when he gets criticized. Uh, I think he, you know, I you can see, even if you think that is a dumbass question. And quite frankly, I don't think, you know, people say a win is a win. Well, they they didn't win that. What was it? The Miami game um, or the Atlanta game? Like they blew a couple games there against teams that were right. decimated. Uh, they right. were playing down to their competition. It was a fair question, even though they pulled it out. Uh, but even if it wasn't a fair question, like you just don't call a reporter a dumbass and say he hasn't played enough basketball to have an opinion on that. Like it's just it's not the way to handle it. Well, it's it's what he's done the whole time. It's what it really he did is. with the whole yeah. It's like, like so many times, and, yeah. and, and every time he's done it, it's backfired on him too. And quite frankly, the media has proven to be right on pretty much every time he's <laughs> he's had a reaction like that. So yeah, he might want to dial that back a little bit. Yeah, I've brought it up a bunch of times. My favorite thing, that, one of my favorite things that Ike ever said on the air, Ike Reese on WIP, is when Doc kept saying that he wasn't, he when when people asked about Ben shooting, he'd be like, well, you guys are worried about that. I'm not. And Ike was just like, you're going to worry about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> like, you haven't been here enough. You're going to worry about it. So yeah, he's, he, he, man, he feels to me like somebody who just like is over it like over all of this, but like, I think he's certainly over the scrutiny that comes along with it. Yeah. yeah, He might, he might still love coaching. I don't, you know, I don't, we see 10 minutes of practice and they quite frankly practice like once a month at this point. Um, He might be really into that, but I definitely think he is over some of the public aspects of it, the scrutiny of it uh, that comes along with it for sure. If you had to bet on what 2022 will be like for the Sixers, like (laughs) all things frustrating. Yeah, I like feel like frustrating all, is always the answer with this, yeah, or weird, or something like that. But I, I keep thinking, and I'm a I'm a glass half empty guy <laughs> by nature, and I just keep thinking to myself, "Fuck, man, this is not going to work out." Like this is not going to like it's what keeps going through my head, and I keep like looking to how are we going to feel after the trade deadline, and then how are we going to feel at the start of next season? And is there? I, I think there's a a real possibility that we'll feel unfulfilled after the trade deadline, but I also feel this sneaky suspicion that there's like a real possibility that we will feel unfulfilled at the beginning of of next season because it's not through anyone's current fault, um, but the fault of everyone who made the decisions leading up to it. I, I guess if you had to predict. Like how you think it's gonna go? 
How do you think it's going to go? Well, predicting op- optimism around this team has not worked out well right. at any point. Um, and I, I, I get that too because like, Joel Embiid is everything you could hope for. Like, He is playing at a level that when you started the process, like you hoped you got a guy like him. And to be sitting here and being like, I have no idea how they're going to get a co-star alongside of him, it is, um, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. If I had to predict, I think the trade that they make, I, I go back and forth a little bit. I think Daryl is just risky enough to try to keep Ben <laughs> and stubborn enough, quite frankly, to potentially try to keep Ben past the trade deadline. But I think if I had to predict, I think they're going to make a trade. I think it's going to be very disappointing. Uh, I think it's, if it works out, the best case scenario of a trade, I think, is something that might set them up for a second trade in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'll have so much uncertainty that it will be, it, you'll probably panic. Yeah. yeah. I, I predict panic. Panic and Great. frustration. That's always yeah. a good prediction with this, this team. And I certainly think that's where we're at. Great. That's awesome. And last thing, will FERC ever, will we get beginning of the season FERC ever again this year? It's crushing to me. Yeah, I just, I, it'll be for like a week and then he'll go back. Okay. I love FERC. I love the irrational confidence of FERC, uh, both the passing and the shooting. I love the shoes. I love the flair. I love all of it. Um, but you don't love him for being a consistently impactful NBA player. All right, Derek. Daily6.com or daily6.com slash RTRS20 for 20% Correct. off a subscription. Yep. So good luck, man. Thank you. Appreciate Look it. forward to your fourth paywall. Yeah, and maybe someday I'll even start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I do appreciate know. the fact, you know, when, when Spike invites you on the podcast, he has this big list of stuff to prepare for. And he's like, make sure you have headphones, make sure you have an internet connection. And it's like, I don't know if that comes from having managed a radio station for a decade or however long you've been doing it or for work from working with Mike and AU and maybe some of their technical difficulties. But I yeah. appreciate the level of detail in, uh, in in the preparation you put for me coming on here. And I wouldn't need that if I would ever just start up a podcast like I've been talking yep. about for years. But, you know. <laughs> You would we'll know see how, how to goes. do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. Uh, uh, before we get to Trista, big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. First, we have to give a, a a congratulations to Eric from Big Barker. Eric, owner, I don't know, is he like CEO? I don't know, whatever you call him, of Big Barker, got engaged this past week, got engaged to a Valerie. I also married to a Valerie and bought the ring from LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Like, what is, come on. I want to say like sponsor on sponsor crime, but that's not crime. That's that's good stuff. Big Barker, one of our long-term sponsors. Uh, I If you follow me at all, if you follow the pod at all, you know I care about pets and I care about dogs. And the reason I tell you about Big Barker Dog Beds is not just because they're a sponsor of ours, because it truly makes a difference. Most people don't think about the bed that their dog sleeps on. You see something on the internet, you see like it's scrolling Instagram or if you're in a pet store or something, and you're like, oh, that's plush. It looks comfortable. It looks like a pillow. Pillow would be comfortable to sleep on. Fact is, pillow is not comfortable to sleep on. A good mattress is comfortable to sleep on. And you've been having your bed sleeping on a shitty, you're having your dog sleeping on a shitty mattress and it's bad for your dog's joints. And that's where Big Barker comes in. And that's where Eric came in when he wanted to get a, a dog for his his previous a bed for his previous dog, Hank. Uh, and there was nothing good. So they came up with Big Barker originally made for just big dogs, but now for every sort of dog. And the the mattress itself is a real mattress. You can see this when you look at the pictures. It is engineered by experts to support your dog's joints, which will help your dog as your dog ages and gets into the age, like my age, where you start having arthritis. Uh, Rebel sleeps on a big barker, 
And Big Barker has been proven by PenVet to be healthier for your dog, improve your dog's quality of life. If you are a dog owner, your only job is to improve its quality of life. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. If you go there, you will not only get the Big Barker dog bed, you'll get the two process pup patches. You can iron them on or you can do whatever you want with the patch. If your significant other won't let you have a, a dog bed with a right Ricky Sanchez patch on it in the middle of the house, I understand that as well. 10-year warranty, the foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One-year at-home trial, if you don't like it, if your dog won't sleep on it, that's fine. They will give you a free re refund and also pay for the shipping back. Handmade in the USA, Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. All right, wolf. now we bring on our second, oh, CJ, you there? Okay. Wolf. A wolf, there wolf. you go. All yeah. right, there you go. Thank you, thank you for the wolf. Um, we bring on our second guest co-host who couldn't be more different than our first uh, guest co-host. And we are robbing, somebody said in the YouTube comments, we are robbing the world of Mike versus Trista, which would be really funny. And I feel like we have to do sometimes. So Trista Crick of BetMGM Tonight um, on the BetQL network. Welcome. And also host of Heat Check. Uh, also host of Heat Check. Yep. Which in this case is probably more relevant. I don't know. I know you guys are sponsored by DraftKings, but... Um, so I don't know how much gambling content you guys put out. I heard some of it in the show, but NBA podcast, if you want to hear me slander, like I, I throw stray bullets at Philly pretty much always. Like I literally just did a new year's resolution episode on for Friday. Yeah. And it was like, I really am looking for every single NBA team to make strides, uh, to feel better about 2022, except for Philly. <laughs> Except for so I was wondering when I had you on right okay so he check as well I was wondering if I had you on if I was going to get like if you think about this in a wrestling way whether I was going to get shoot Trista like like Trista or work Trista or you know like if I was going to get only slander Trista and it looks like I'm getting the second I because think you're going to get a little bit of both okay because what I wanted to do is if if Sixers fans know you or yeah. not if all of them know you, but a lot of them know you from basically like clips on Twitter of you slandering Ben Simmons. Yep. That's As Barstool, right. Barstool Trista, right? Yep. So my first question to you, because it happened again with Golden State, right? Because you said, uh, you said that Golden State wouldn't start. What was the, what, what, what did you get? So Andy, Andy Lou from Light Years Podcast said without Clayton and me and Andy, he's been on the show a bunch, him and yep. Sam Vindiari. So the reason that I even put anything out about it is because it was his tweet. He said, even without Clay, the Warriors should start nine and one. And like we saw the Warriors last year and I'm like, Nine and one, this team will not be, you know, I guess it's hilarious. This is the delusions of, of grandeur that the Warriors fan base has gotten used to. And this is just not the same team. And it's so wrong. I actually think if they go to the finals, they win it. Like apparently the light years podcast guy said that Steph saw the video and like he his one of his friends was interacting with that video a lot during the summer, even as they started the year. Like nobody really thought they would go nine and one. And Steph saw it and they were down big in that 10th game uh, at halftime, I think, to the Hawks. And uh, and Steph like came out and went nuclear. I think he had 50 points that game. Uh, so if they end up winning it all, I think I should be a part. I think I should be in the parade. 
See you taking this is this is an old uh, sports radio trick of you taking credit for, for the player playing well by saying that he wouldn't play well. I guess a tr- true true question: What is it like for you to have something like that? Whether it is the Simmons thing or it is the Warriors thing, like catch fire like that and being on the other end of it because. Like, it's horrifying to me. I'm curious what it's like for you. I think it's a, a little bit of both, right? Like, I think once you start to, it, it's fun and it's it's a viral moment that, of course, like, elevates your profile. Like, that's so huge. When, you know, the Ben when Ben went crazy in that jazz game and then it, it disappeared in the fourth quarter, I'm sure you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you ended up losing that jazz game without Joel Embiid. And I and it's Ben's best, most efficient game he's ever had. He's a scoring threat, and I still call him a bum. Uh, Sixers fans, of course, like losing their mind because in their heart, like a small part of them agrees, and like I think that they like know what his deficiencies were, and they thought that maybe they could find some balance. And then it turned out to be a hundred percent right, of course, in that Eastern Conference semi game, which is what I had been saying for so long. So in some ways, it's like you're waiting to be vindicated. Like, you know, in some ways it's right. And then on the other side with the Warriors, like you realize, wow, this has really gone like so wrong. Like this is gone. <laughs> this is like maybe the worst take. Or when I said 11 games in the season last year, like Bucks will never win the title as currently constructed. You know, when you live in the world of, of predictions and hyperbole and, and you're maybe one of the biggest mushers in the NBA, like the things that you say could go completely opposite so fast which I find to be hilarious. Yeah, well, that's the question that I I wanted to get to, like, or that's the feeling, because I actually said the same thing about the Bucs. Like, my my take on the Bucs is that no one was ever winning a title with Chris Middleton as their second best player. And, well, there they go. Like, what are you going to do? But you think, so you think it's funny when it goes wrong? Yeah, I do. Like, I I can play along with it. I think I, with the 9 and one video, I duetted it on Twitter, and I was like, who is this girl? Like, she is a joke. Like, this girl needs to delete her account. And I'll own it. Like, I'll say, even with the Chicago Bulls, I had no idea they would be number one in the East. I don't think anybody else did either. But when you plant your flag in something vehemently and it goes so wrong, you have to just laugh and outwardly make something more content to be like, listen, hand up. Like, what a trash take that was. So it must be weird, too, because to go back to the Simmons thing, right? So here was like, to most people is like, who the fuck is this barstool girl that is talking about Ben Simmons? And then, but then you are defined by that 25 second Ben Simmons take or your, your 20 or 25 second golden state take. Uh, Is that bothersome or is, is it just like part of the game? I think it's part of the game. Like, cause I'm so much more than that. I think if you listen, it's all promo for the pod too. Like I hope that people go and, listen to the actual full takes, not just what's happening on TikTok, because, you know, there's a lot of research and reading and watching that goes into, you know, takes. Um, and, and a full episode is a lot different than just a 20 second clip. And I am a lot more than that too. Like I love the wrestling vibe of like saying things and poking fun and, you know, finding ways to like, I wouldn't call it trolling. I guess you could put it the type of trolling that like Joel Embiid does, right? Like it's playful in nature. It's not designed to hurt anyone. Uh, 
I think it's just, you know, this is not like diplomacy here. We're talking about the NBA, a game, a child's game that we all love. And like, yeah, I think I hope people find more complexity in me than those moments. And I think the fact that I was at Barstool at the time made it a lot worse or made it a lot more uh, polarizing. And me being a woman, of course, like that speaks with, with such confidence. Like if you go back to that Bucks take where I said they would not win the title 11 games in, like you would believe they never won the title. Like if you listen to it now, like they, they didn't win, you know, like cause that's the, the amount of confidence. Um, and, and people at Barstool hated it too. Like I have, we have a lot of Philadelphia fans in those walls. And so it was coming at me externally and it was coming at me internally, which made it even, even bigger. Why did you, I don't know if you've ever, why did, why did, so why did you decide to leave Barstool then? Like it's such a, a big platform, right? And, um, uh, and it seemed to at least fit part of your personality. So why did you leave? I think it was a, a bunch of different reasons. Um, one, like there's a lot of stars there. You know, you've got Dave, you've got Dan, you've got PFT, you've got some other people who have been in the building a long time and they get this, the spotlight. I believe, still believe and believed when I walked in those doors, I am as big, my personality is as big as the stars within those walls. And I want to be treated as such. Uh, and I want to be seen as such. And But there's just so much real estate to go around. Uh, and when you come to a company like Odyssey and, and me and you meet, I think you agree. Like, I think when we sat down, like you see the potential. Uh, and so I want to go to a place that allows me to grow into that spotlight. And you see how Pat McAfee grew once he left. I think it's the perfect starting ground. But I don't think the company is in a place where there can be another in the sports in the sports realm, that is another Dan or Dave that comes out of there. That's that's more mainstream. That's not just niche within the barstool walls. I, I think like it's not like you, you should have to tell your origin story all the time. But I think I remember even texting CJ, who is our producer, like after I had lunch with you before you before you started working for Odyssey, we met and I was like, I walked away. I was like, man, she's the fucking like real deal. Like I remember telling people that afterwards and I, I wish you're so good at, at what you do at tweaking people. And yeah. by the way, I don't think it's trolling if you believe it. Like yeah. if, as long as you mostly believe it, then it doesn't count as trolling. It, to me, trolling is when you say something that is What's disingenuous. Percentage, though? Like if I'm exaggerating it, if it's, a, if it's like I believe it and then I'm exaggerating it and I'm leaning in, is that not trolling? Or like, is it just like you, you have to believe it like at so, least 50, 50, or where are we at on this? So my rule, we've actually talked about this. My rule is like 65 or 70%. And if you if you can believe in something 65 or 70% and you can push it all the way, it's not interesting to say that you, to me, it is not interesting to say, I think it's unlikely that the Bucks will win the title. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's unlikely that every team will win the title, Correct. right? I mean, like, that's not interesting. It's more interesting to say they won't, even if you understand that there I think we all understand as grown-ups that there is a percentage chance that that you understand that the other the other side could happen right so, um do you ever like talk about like your how you got to barstool like you're just sort of like your origin? by the yeah. way the bucks were a shoe print away from not going to the eastern conference finals I just want to say like I wasn't so off right well <laughs> I, I say all the time about the sixers 
you know, when when they got to the finals years ago with Iverson, the step over doesn't happen if a shot that Vince Carter takes is like three inches shorter. Right. You know, like so. But they did. They did get to the finals and they did win the title. So shoot for it or not. It did happen. It yeah. Did. Um, I uh, this season, like I, I don't count the bubble title for the Lakers. I wonder what this title is going to be looked upon as because of what's going on in the the league right now. I'm just sort of curious what you think. Man, it it depends, right? Like how much COVID in like ravaging will we see in the playoffs? Will we see just a lack of testing? Like you see, and we can go back to the origin story after this, but because um, I I haven't really addressed it a ton, and I and I certainly could. But well, I didn't know if you wanted to. That's why I went a different direction. No, I, no, we, I, I wasn't yeah, picking it up. Sure. We can't. Oh, yeah. We can't for sure. I just wanted to make okay. sure for the record for everyone that that okay. like is listening that I wasn't like so off. Um, so we can go back to that. That's totally fine. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the COVID ravaged season, I think, is is a huge deal. And it was a huge deal last year. I think it depends on who's asking. Whoever wins the title, that fan base will think that this was a totally legitimate year. Right. Whoever gets screwed, let's say it's the it's the Nets. They're going to say, well, we didn't have Kyrie Irving for X, Y, and Z amount of the season. We only had him for away games, yada, yada, yada. I think it's just going to be all about the lens that it's coming from. Do I think it's more legitimate than the bubble season? Yes. Like, I don't think you can say no fans, no road games or home games, that that's like as important or as meaningful as every other year. But at least we had it. You know, at least we had basketball where there was that was seriously in doubt. Yeah, I, I think contextually, when people look back on things, there are some things that they're able to forget first championships and some things that they're not. Like the this player couldn't play or this player got injured. I think all that gets forgotten. I think that'll happen with this season. The bubble one, man, they had like four months off before they played the playoffs. Like that is a, a real thing. And to your point, there were no road games. There were no it, – it's winning something, but it's not winning a normal title. I right. Don't think. And I think that's why people call it the Mickey Mouse – title and the fact that yeah. it was the Lakers also makes it I think from, and LeBron makes it less legitimate to everyone that's not a LeBron James fan yeah like, it's great for takes it's, it's great for LeBron takes. amazing which he's playing at an MVP level right now it's like getting lost in in the shuffle because the Lakers are so trash and like what's been going on with them has made no sense and that never made sense with that with that trade I think so much of that is like Rob Palinka just being not very qualified um, for this job and LeBron kind of pushing him to do what LeBron wants to do, which just kind of speaks to Polinka's spine or, or lack thereof. But yeah, I think LeBron at 37, putting up 42 points, 41 points against the Blazers in 29 minutes. It's just, it's just unreal. The efficiency for him to be able to play one and five. Like, I don't know like Jordan couldn't play and I, I'm a Jordan stand, right? Like I fall into the Jordan camp, but Jordan couldn't play five defensively. Like, I don't know that there's anybody as versatile as, as LeBron from like an offensive and defensive standpoint, I guess like magic could play five. Yeah. I think that's why his, his best, his, the um, best LeBron was the Miami one. Yeah. I think because the, to your point about Palenka, Miami was the only place that he couldn't 
just sort of like forces will upon the roster and forces will upon the locker room and forces will upon how they play. Like somebody else said, this is what we're going to do. And I think it made for the best, Le- the best version of LeBron, I would say. The yeah. Miami. Pat Riley wasn't going to allow LeBron to push him around. Like Pat right. Riley does what Pat Riley wants to do. Trade for Russell Westbrook. Um, um, well, hold on. Before we get to the origin story, I have one more ad. So let me uh-huh. do that. Oh, take and- that. Then origin story. LL Pavorsky Jewelers was our first sponsor. LL was bragging on Twitter yesterday because he sold Eric from Big Barker his engagement ring. Well, we celebrated that that happened. And then LL bragged that Adam Kasabi, uh, also another one of our sponsors, went to LL. And then LL was bragging that Cornblow, another one of our sponsors, went to LL. He is truly everyone's jeweler. He has sold, he reminded me via text or updated me. We're now over 250 engagement ring sold to rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. Wow. Inclu- I know. Isn't that wild? That's like, that is some pull. Yes. I, mean, I tell you what, like that's a lot of dough. It, well, I, that's, that's another thing is maybe we should consider raising his rate. Yeah, I, I think so. Let's see. <laughs> whatever the ROI on that has got to be way outperforming what they thought. For sure. For sure. My, my wife's, her cousin just got proposed to with an LL Pavorsky ring. So congratulations to Susan and Joey. Was our but we give him credit. He was our first um our first sponsor. He he hassled us into sponsoring us. We we were so against having a sponsor that we took his money and we donated it to charity the first year and a half. That, that was the only sponsor we had. So but LL, everyone goes to LL. Everyone that goes to LL is thrilled. Everyone is happy. Everyone uh, gets treated like a million bucks, whether you're spending a million bucks or not. Uh, I don't think Ben went to LL for his uh, engagement ring, but I am hoping that LL would have turned him away. That is that is what I'm hoping. So our first sponsor, only by appointment only, if you are coming in for an engagement ring, by appointment only, this is good for you. By the way, he can do it online too. Eric was telling me he comes up with these like uh, graphic illustrations or like these like like moving illustrations of what the ring will look like, just reach out to LL. 215-627-2252 is the phone number. You can email him, lee at llpavorsky.com or tweet at him at llpavorsky. You can see his unhinged Twitter account that celebrates every Sixers win by taking a screenshot of Twitter of the Sixers win. It's truly the strangest thing I've ever seen. And also supports our charities, Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. Um, thank you, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Your, your origin story. So Can, how far back do we need to go? Well, I don't know. The 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 like we're like went to college for caddying is like a, a weird thing. Yeah. So I I'll, grew up playing basketball my whole life. Uh ended up getting a caddy scholarship because I saw the Evans the, the name of the scholarship is the Evans Foundation or Evans Scholarship and the piece of paper was on the floor of the basketball court when we were practicing and I just picked it up cuz I slipped on it. And I look and it's like full ride scholarship to college. I grew up like so poor, like the poorest family in one of the poorest neighborhoods in Portland. And, you know, my mom, you know, overvalued, I would say, like us getting a plan uh, by sixth grade to go to college. So I see this. I tell her about it. I'm in ninth grade and I end up like caddying and, and working at a golf course all through high school to get you know, basically a full ride, full tuition, quarter room and board scholarship for caddying. Caddied at a course called Bannon Dunes Golf Resort, like number two in the country public golf course underneath Pebble Beach. So like 
to come up in a neighborhood that's you know very different than the golf industry is is basically like why I am who I am. Like I grew up as one of the only white kids in an all black neighborhood in Portland, which is it, it's like a strange paradox in itself, right? And then you're in this like golf community, which is like a totally different culture altogether, like right. Fortune 500 executives that I'm caddying for. And so like being able to straddle both worlds from a socioeconomic perspective and a cultural perspective is why people can't peg where I'm from, why I sound like I do, why I talk like I do. And that kind of adds to a level of like, I guess being misunderstood about who I am and, and what I'm about, right? Like, so end up going to Oregon for finance because I wanted to have a life of security. Was in that five years, hated it. And my high school had a broadcasting program, a radio program that was my major. It was like a tech program and ended up like reaching out to that teacher who got me back into media. And then, you know, long, long road of me taking jobs for free. I worked for Comcast, Sportsnet. That's how me and Chris Haynes, NBA insider, became friends. Like it was his first job. It was my first job covering the Blazers. I was covering a D3 team, uh, Portland State. And um, so, yeah, like did that, moved to L.A., slept on couches, literally went on couchsurfing.com and just like was sleeping on floors in L.A. Very sketchy thing to do, by the way. Is couchsurfing.com a, a website? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so is yeah. it to find people's couch to sleep on? Is that yeah, what like it is? It's, a, it's a thing for international people around the world to like find community and you can stay around the world for free. And so I did that in L.A. Like I packed up my packed up my car, told no one, literally didn't even tell my own mom because I knew she would think it was a terrible idea because this guy in L.A. was like, hey, you're never going to make it out in Portland, Oregon. Like never. Like you will never get a real job in media. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. So I packed up, moved to L.A. Every item I had was in my like car, told my mom I was living in L.A., moving to L.A. like when I was in the grapevine. Like so maybe like 100 miles from Los Angeles. She's freaking. She's a pop like like come back. This is ridiculous. You're, ne- you know, I don't know what you want to do. Like, are you trying to be a, uh, what did she say? Do you want to be a pageant girl? Like, why do you want to be on camera? This is like so ego driven. And yeah, like I ended up five years in LA, just struggling, freelancing, trying to figure out a way. And I met um, through a friend, Nick Khan. Nick Khan's a very famous uh, broadcasting agent represented Max Kellerman, Skip Bayless, like Michelle Beadle, Callan Cowherd, list goes on and on. He, of course, was never going to represent me, like little old me. But he was like, listen, what I would do if I was you, you've already made it this far. Like, this is the first step. The next step is a lot easier. You should reach out to every single person who's a president or in every media sense, like whether that's digital, whether that's print, regional, national, whatever, if you can get to a president, all you need is their okay. They don't have to sign up, have anybody else sign off, just them. So I reached out to like 250 people. I had like a spreadsheet and I just hit them up. And I was in phone sales for a long time when I was in finance. I was in finance, like I said, five years. And one of the jobs was making cold calls. So I just did the exact same thing. Hey, just wanted to like get an informational interview and see if you guys would assess how I was, you know, how my skill level. So many people said like, listen, you're just too raw. You don't sound like anyone else. Like you don't sound like a sideline reporter. And 
the person who ended up taking a big chance on me was this guy, Dave Morgan, who hired Woj. He found Woj at the New Jersey Bergen record and found this other guy, Dan, uh, Dan Wetzel and a lot of guys at Yahoo found shams like guy who had kind of low key found people, you know, like diamonds in the rough kind of a deal. He hired me to be the face of USA Today. Um, long road even within that just to get a full-time job. Moved out to D.C. and was somehow they allowed me to cover every sporting event under the sun, like every major one from Olympics to the NBA Finals, the World Series, college football championship, everything, which was huge. You know, I like interviewed all these athletes and and I wanted to add like a level of more entertainment value, right? So and I wanted to be seen like I don't want to have 550 video views in the corner of some random article behind a paywall like that's trash to me. Like I like I said, I think I have a better personality than just be some girl that is like auto played on mute. And, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like this is like I just think so. And they didn't like my style of, you know, not being a journalist. I've never considered myself to be a journalist, even if. I want to be fair and truthful. Like I think I might, I think of myself as an entertainer that talks about my favorite games, you know, barstool. I, I saw getting a ton of traction. So I reached out to someone that I knew she had me meet some of the like early barstool employees. And they were like, well, listen, you got to have Dave sign off. Dave, uh, Dave Portnoy has to look at you and say, yeah, sure. Fit. We're not even sure if he'll watch your tape. Like he's busy. And I was like, okay. So I went to the World Series and I get a text message from this woman, Jen Simons, who put me in touch and gave my tape to Dave. And she was like, Dave saw your stuff. He wants to meet you. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to do coffee? Or like, we're going to have lunch? Like, what's the deal? And she's like, he wants to have you on his two hour Sirius XM radio show. And I knew at that point that things were dicey. Right. Like, I don't know. I didn't ask. I didn't ask anyone. I was like, OK, yeah, fine. Got it. This is your shot. This is the last step. If he likes you and you kill it on the radio, you have a job. OK, so I get there and I'm in the green room and he says on the air, we've got this girl, Trista Crick from USA Today. Uh, it's basically a tryout. Like this is the tryout for a job. On he said that on the air. On the air, on national right. radio. He can't lie. Like he can't. Like, why else would I guess I come on? Like, why would you have this girl from USA Today on? So he provided, you know, truthful context. But I was like, oh, man, I am I am screwed. Like, I am going to either be getting this job or I'm going to be in hot water in some some respect. But I thought USA Today really and they did. They really liked me. They built an entire vertical around me where they had none. And I had a lot of pull. And so I was like, oh, you know, worst case, like what do I, I go to HR and I get like a slap on the wrist or whatever. You're at Barstool and I'm, okay. Like I went on the radio and I did an interview, but then uh, it comes up that because the video, the video that he watched of me was at the Super Bowl interviewing Pat McAfee. And so at that same Super Bowl, that was the one where Dave got dragged out. And I'm like, you know, your PR people reached out to us uh, for you to, for me to interview you. And he was like, well, what happened? And I'm like, well, my producer shut that down. Like pretty fast. Like they didn't like Barstool and me. They didn't want to give you a, they didn't want to give you a platform, which I thought to be hilarious. Like me giving Dave Portnoy a platform. <laughs> right, you're right. Joking, you're joking me. Like, right? Like this is the biggest thing we'll do all year. Like if he retweets this, 
everything changes for me and like everything changes for, you know, our coverage and maybe for this like vertical we're trying to create. And he's like, give me a platform. Are you kidding me? Like USA Today is a squirt gun and I am a water hose. And I'm like, fair. Who was this? Like who, which producer shut this down? He goes crazy. He's like, this is why I hate old media. Like she probably, this producer probably has like an ink quill pen and like uses a typewriter. He, he's like trolling, like hyperbole. And the fan base finds her and, and like sends a screenshot of her and me or him and me in a room, like on the live stream to her Twitter. And so I call her and I'm like, Hey, I just want to let you know that your name came up on this <laughs> interview that I did. Just came up. Yeah. Just came up, you know? I wasn't anything like crazy. And I tried to say like, she's a nice person, but like, there's a lot of people who have this misunderstanding about, you know, bias and ethics and journalism as it relates to Barstool. And like, that's not a journalistic place. And, um, and so then she basically takes that up to the highest of the high. She sends me a text basically like the last words from her was, I hope it was worth it. Oh. And, and he and I had a great time. I was on the radio two hours. Like I was only supposed to be on for like 15 or 20. He's like, so what do you want to do here? Blah, blah. We'll get back to you. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on with the end of year, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, like who knows how long this is going to take. I get a call. <laughs> Sorry, Emma. Emma. Sorry. Dog, dog bark, barking during the pot is regular and accepted. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's, it's one, one of our dogs is always barking. <laughs> So I get this email, I get a call from my head of video and I miss it because I'm getting on the train back to Washington DC, which is where I was living at the time. And then I check my email and it's like, you've been removed as an administrator for USA Today Facebook. You've been removed as an administrator for USA Today Instagram. You've been removed as the administrator from the USA Today Twitter. And I'm like, I call my producer and I'm like, I think I'm fired. Like I'm pretty sure I'm fired. And he's like, no, like, it's probably just a, a glitch. You know how it is, like, with us and social. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> and so, so the guy, Russ, calls me, and he's like, hey, Trista, hey, uh, hope you're doing well. You know how, like, managers are. Hey, yeah. uh, how's it going? Like, everything good? Everything good? Yeah, no, nice, nice to, to hear your voice. Yeah. Just wanted to know how you ended up on Barstool Radio. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I was invited. Uh, invited. I was up there in New York anyway, like. Just got said yes, you know, Barstool is huge, huge platform, so I thought I would do it. And he's like, "So why did you think it was a good idea to mention uh, your producer by name?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, there's like a million Sandys out there. Like, I don't know. Like, there's a million in LA. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, she's a public figure. She's got like a blue check mark. If she's not going to be able to stand by her decisions, I don't know what we're doing here." He's like, "Well, yeah, you you put her at risk." Uh, mm. At, for the barstool mob to come after her. She's scared for her life now. We've ordered security. I'm like, that's a lie. Like she shut down her Twitter. I immediately Google. She hasn't shut down her Twitter. I'm like, that's a lie. Like these are lies like that you're saying to me to try to justify some bull. Can I cuss? You can curse. Yeah. yeah, some bullshit excuse. I'm still getting used to like where I can cuss and where I can't. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some bullshit excuse just to like what? Like fire me. And he's like, so yeah, today's your last day. And uh, I would, it would really behoove you to not say anything about this, like to anyone other than your lawyers. And I was like, yeah, see, Russ, I'm going to probably talk about this tomorrow. Like, this is a big deal. I'm probably going to talk about this a lot, in fact. So I call the woman who set up the interview with Dave. And I'm like, hey, by the way, I was fired today. 
for going on the radio. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. Just want to let you guys know, I'm not sure how that affects like my chances of working here. But like I'm unemployed now and I'm thinking about selling used cars. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm in great standing in the media world at this moment. <laughs> and uh, like, I don't know who's hiring me right now. And um, she's like, all right, I'll call Dave and Erica, the CEO, and, you know, see what they have to say. And like literally 30 seconds after I get off the phone with her, Dave Portnoy follows me on Twitter and uh. DMs me. And he's like, hey, heard you got fired. I'm like, yeah, I did. And uh, he was like, man, that that sucks. But I'm definitely not surprised whatsoever. And I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't I don't mean to, like, make this uncomfortable for you or like, I, I don't know how this affects what we're doing. And he's like, what's it going to take for you to get here? Like, I, I'm totally down to hire you, like on the spot. And in fact, I want you to tweet out that USA Today fired you and that I immediately hired you. <laughs> I was like, this guy owns the moment, you know? Yeah. He tells me basically what to tweet, tells me not to tell anyone until like I tweet it and he retweets it. So I say nothing to anyone. So for like 24 hours, people think I'm like fired with no job prospects. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see if they actually do hire me. If they actually do get a contract. I retweet, I tweet it. He quote tweets it with the Statue of Liberty uh, quote, like, give us your week, give us your tired. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, man, this is wild. And all of a sudden, just like I have to turn my notifications off because it's just like I'm getting calls after calls. Like this is probably one of the wildest days of my life. And then from there, it was like, you know, is was Trista just a mole? Like, did she get fired on purpose to work at Barstool? Like everybody's trying to like angle their way in to get there. Like, what's your motive? And, you know, I think the way that I got there really changed the trajectory of me. Uh, and how I was seen there in a not so great way. I'm happy that it happened because I'm not sure whether I would have been hired otherwise. Like, for, not from like a, a standpoint of me me being liked by Dave, but just like they were doing the Penn deal at that time. Like right. they're in in talks with Penn, and it took a long time for anyone to get hi- hired after that. So if I wouldn't have been fired at that moment, I'm not even sure. And then COVID hit right around the corner after that. So who knows? Um, I'm happy it happened the way that it did. But man, it was it was stressful um, when it did. You mentioned journalism and not what you do. I, I think the reason that journalism gets tied to sports talk so often is because when sports talk started, not for lack of a better description of what you do, right? Because it all starts with that. Sports talk started when they took journalists and just put them on the radio, and that's what that's what it like started as. But now it's it's just people giving opinions on sports is like, whether it's, whether it's podcast or not, there's some people who are journalists who do it, but it's not, I tell people that all the time when they go like, we're, you know, you're supposed to be a journalist. Like, this is not journalism. There's a place you can go for journalism, but it's not here, you know? Um, and it doesn't mean it's no less. And it doesn't mean that people are lying, but it does mean that it's a different thing than, than journalism. Yeah. You can't say the things that, that we say, as like a traditional hardcore journalist. You can't say that Ben Simmons is a bum, like in any respect, like at all. Like on Twitter, you can't say it unless you're a columnist, right? Um, Or you're a journalist with a sports talk radio show. So before, I wanted to ask you about Ben, I wanna ask you about Embiid, and then I have like two general NBA questions. Do you have have time? I have plenty of time. I have like carved out my day 
until <laughs> one until one o'clock, I have carved out my day for you. Okay. All right. First of all, CJ, could you play big? So big pun. Uh, not big that. pun. I'm sorry, Fat Joe. Yeah, Fat, Fat Joe. Joe. Uh, rest in peace, big pun. Uh, Fat Joe was doing an Instagram live and uh, mentioned. He was doing his year in review and mentioned Ben Simmons. CJ, could you play Fat Joe on Ben Simmons? The biggest loser in the universe is Ben Simmons. What the fuck he doing? What he say? He can't come back and play? He's like, Ben Simmons, biggest jerk. He done lost too much money or whatever the case may be. Now, I got to say, as a 45-year-old seeing Fat Joe do it, because he was like, top shit when I was in college. And I'm like, Fat Joe doing that. If you had to guess what the rest of his career would be like, S- Simmons, if you really... I thought you like you're, maybe Fat Joe at, at the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Fat Joe's clearly on a good track. I think we can agree on that. On Simmons, what, what do you think is going to happen with him? Like his career? Hyperbole aside... I really do hope that he goes somewhere where not only he can be held accountable, but he buys in and trusts and respects those who are in charge because it's hard to respect or, or to, you know, do what someone like Daryl Morey wants you to do because you're so outside the realm of what Daryl Morey wants, right? Like we know the type of guards that Daryl Morey likes, and that's not Ben. If he was to go somewhere, now that Becky Hammond has taken the job at the Ace, uh, for the Aces, we know that there's, there's a, a likelihood that Pop stays around past this year. I could see Ben buying in to playing for Greg Popovich. Now, Greg is a grizzly, you know, he's not the, the biggest, like, motivator in, the, in, in terms of carrots, right? Like, he's a player's coach, but he will speak the truth to you. I think he could flourish in a, in a system like that. Uh, I think he could do well in a place like Miami. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, place like Toronto, high culture from front office, from ownership down. I want to see that for him. I really do. But he has to, like all jokes aside, he has to look inward. You know, it's one thing to shoot jumpers in a empty gym it's another to do it in live game settings in the nba uh he needs to be moved first and foremost before he does anything um looks like he's found happiness from like a a standpoint of love that's key you know there was a lot of tumultuous stuff going on with him and kendall jenner and like her seeing devin booker and like all this wild stuff like i would love to see ben somewhere where the spotlight isn't on him you know like not in new york or a philly uh, not a place where the, the media is crazy. Uh, even a place like Indiana, I'm not sure him and Rick Carlisle will get along, but like a place that very clearly he's a cog in a system and, and like encouraged to grow, but still allowed to be himself and not have to be the person that you need in the fourth quarter to do anything. I just wonder, I've mentioned this before on the pod, I wonder even if he goes to a place like that, he still has to play 41 away games. And I just wonder if, like, he will get the peace of mind in time to be able to handle what 
opposing fans are probably going to do to him. Everybody talks about it being Philly. Forgetting about Philly, when when other fans see when like- Fat Joe has put you right. on his New Year's <laughs> Eve biggest trash human being list, like- we're in another place now. Right, right. You're 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 a target. Like you're on the radar. And I think everywhere he goes, if he goes onto the free throw line, like people will do that to him. And it takes a certain kind, you know, what, what's he, 24, 25? I couldn't have handled that at, at that age, you know, the position that he's now in, whether it's of his making or not. You know, I wonder if if that will get to him, you know, if that, that peace of mind will get to him in time for him to be able to handle that is my my biggest question about him. Yeah, and maybe he'll get traded. I was talking to Jimmy Patsos about this. It's like maybe he'll get traded to somewhere where he integrates with the team and doesn't play this year. Like if, right, you're, right, right. if you're a team that wants to make the lottery and you're still getting like, say, Portland, hey, you've got Paolo Bancaro, you've got Chet Holmgren, you've got you know Jabari Smith, you've got all these guys who could help your team. And then like if you just – ride the rest of the year out with Ben and don't play him, let him integrate into the team, enjoy the culture, probably find counseling. Like he does need, and I'm a huge proponent for people to find therapy, no matter what is going on, even if it's just maintenance. Um, He definitely needs to, he definitely needs to get some ego strength because things, bad things are coming, like you said. And he has to figure out a way internally to be able to handle that, he could he could benefit from some time at Barstool. Like that strengthened me a lot. That like that toughened me a lot. Where I call myself a nuclear fish now. Like you, you can't bother a nuclear fish. I've already been in Chernobyl waters. You can't bother me. Can you imagine if Ben <laughs> Simmons if his announcement was I'm joining Barstool? What a heel turn! A heel turn for a guy that just turned took a heel turn. That is like the ultimate one. Oh my god! So if you. Who do you think is a better player, Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic? So it's so tough because if Joel Embiid was healthy all the time, I would say Embiid. Um, it's it's on the margins. They do things differently. I think. I mean, I think what Nikola Jokic has the highest player efficiency rating in history right now. Right. This year. Um, like only matched by Wilt Chamberlain. So that's sort of, but also Joel Embiid has missed, what, a third of the season with COVID. Um, I give the nod slightly to Joel, but the only thing that that scares me is he just falls on the ground so often. Like he's got such a history of injuries. Like, you know, he's probably going to miss a quarter or more of the season, and I guess you don't care if he shows up and, and does what he did in the playoffs where he was just an Iron Man. Uh, they're not helping him at all. Best, avail- best ability is not availability, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. We have a, we have a saying. We, we are anti-best uh, ability is uh, availability on this podcast. Yeah. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Um, you know, Joel Embiid is, is clutch in huge moments. Um, he, and he's a dog. I give the nod slightly to Joel, but his his injury history does worry me. And and the fact that he's on the Sixers organization, it's not giving him a ton of help. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's real it's really sad for for a group of people who have been through like the last 
eight years of Sixers basketball, nine years of Sixers basketball. I had a realization on a pod. Now I tend to be more pessimistic than than most. And I just was like, one day I'm, I was just on the pod and I was just like, this is not going to fucking work out. It's not going to. It was supposed to and it could have, but the last five years have fucked everything up. And I think they've just given themselves so little margin for error. You always have to get lucky to win a championship, but I just think they're going to have to get like so much luckier than than they needed to have to get. And the, the decision-making has just been poor. You know, yeah. it's like up there with some of the decision making is up there with my guy, you know, Neil O'Shea, like Neil O'Shea has made bad decision after bad decision for the Blazers in a way that like, wow, we could have had Donovan Mitchell. Like he was there for us. Like, right. Mikel Bridges would be, you know, really nice piece right now on this team, you know, like not taking more, obviously like, Markel Fultz was consensus number one overall pick in like draft boards, but like Jason Tatum would be nice right now. Right, right. Trading, trading for Ricky Rubio would have been a nice move. You know, like you need uh, somebody who can distribute and, and play make and is a smart guard or hell like trading for Kyle Lowry last year, doing whatever you could to trade for Kyle Lowry last year might've helped you, you know, getting, choosing Jimmy Butler, over Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons complaining about Jimmy Butler might have helped you. Like it's just one decision after another. And maybe that like it was impossible to get hardened because Maury and his relationship with Tillman Furtado was so soiled. Um, but like that would have been an important move. Do whatever you can to get him. Like a, there's only like a handful of playmaking point guards and, and you could have done something to get one of them. And then the drafting, of course, has been disappointing as well. I always say about Fultz, everyone says he was consensus number one. Well, he wasn't number one to at least one person because Danny Ainge, <laughs> like Danny Ainge could have taken Markel Fultz and he decided not to. I don't care how many picks you're getting. You don't trade the number one pick for other picks if you think the, the guy that you're going to get at number one is a number one type guy. And Danny Ainge clearly not without fault. But he didn't think Fultz was number one. And like we had heard things from inside the Sixers that after they worked Fultz out, even the Sixers were like, uh, we're not too sure. But they were too worried to back out at that point. So, And, of course, like there's a lot to be said for how injured guys have gotten when they've gotten to the Sixers. Like I, there's a lot of chatter around the training staff. I don't know enough about what's going on inside those walls to know how much of that is true. But – you know, that deserves a, a closer look as well. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of finger pointing with a lot of different training folks. And it was, even for us, like there were people that Hinky were put in there that they had questions about. There were, there were people that Colangelo put in there that there were questions about. I think like, I think it was a lot of bad decision-making and some bad luck mixed into, uh, into one. So for you, what do you think the future is? Short-term, intermediate-term, long-term. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, like, there's part of me that thinks they're going to get Harden this summer. Um, like, there's a lot of chatter about Harden this summer, and I think I think that is a possibility. I think making a trade for the player that they need by this trade deadline is not going to happen. So, I think 
you know, this will be a season that ultimately ends in frustration. And hopefully we have some growth with the young guys. Like if they don't make that trade in the off season, if, if they don't start next season with a actual second star, like I think there's a real, real, real serious chance that Embiid is not on the team the following season. And that, that is like the, the, the nightmare scenario. Um, I just, I, I would hate to see him waste his prime playing for a team that has no chance of winning. And uh, I do think it's an interesting time. He doesn't have an agent. It's an interesting time to not have an agent, you know, because I think the next year, year and a half will be an important time for him to have a good agent. Um, ben has shown what it's like when you have somebody who's maybe not great. So um, I don't know. I'm not optimistic. I think my, my, my answer is. If not you super. were to make a Ben trade right now, uh, what would the trade be? Not like oh. a Daryl Morey delusional trade, but like what, what realistic trade scenario do you think? You I, would I, th- I think you have to find one that gets young players picks tradable contracts. Like, I don't think there is one out there. I wouldn't do that like middle trade. I think it was John Hollinger suggested uh, Sabonis, what is Sabonis, TJ Warren, and like yes. a young player and a pick or something like that, because then you can trade Sabonis again. I guess that is a reasonable facsimile of what you want to do. The problem is, is that even if you don't think Ben is a huge trade, a huge plus on the trade market, you still need to get up to $40 million of salary for whoever you're trading for in the offseason. And the problem is Tobias is a negative. Like he's a, a negative asset. Like it will cost you picks to get off of. So whatever you do, I think some combination of, of at least plus value contract players that people may want in the off season and picks to strengthen what you do is what I would, what I would approve of at this point. Did you see the bleacher report three team trade where, where, so it's a Sixers get Karis Levert, Norm Powell, Larry Nance Jr. Pacers get CJ McCollum, Nasir Little, Cody Zeller, a 2024 first round pick, 2022nd second round pick. Blazers get Simmons, Miles Turner, and Danny Green. So all the Sixers get out of that is Norm Powell, Karis LeVert, and Larry Nance Jr. Yeah, I it would make them better this year. And they're all like Karis, the Karis LeVert's a free agent, I think. And uh, I don't, I've never been a Norm Powell guy. I was definitely a Gary Trent over Norm Powell guy. I know it would make them better this year. You know, and that both him and Nance are like all three of those guys could play with the Sixers. So like could play with the team that that's at now. I, I it feels like a little bit. I'm not very high on Ben's value, but it does feel like a little bit of it does feel like selling low. But maybe that's what it's going to be, you know. Yeah. All right. You have to put a hundred dollars down on any team on a team to win the title this year. Who do you put the money on? It's going to be funny to put this Warriors pick that you, you're about to make next to your, your other Warriors video, isn't it? Can you tell that that's what it is? Yeah, well, I could tell when you didn't say it right away. Is that what you would do? Yes, I would. You would bet on the Warriors? I would. I would. I think the Suns will be tough to beat just because of Aiton. And because Chris Paul has been hurt like always, um, and I really hope he stays healthy. I really want to see that Western Conference final seven games. It could go either way. 
But the fact that they're this good, the fact that they just won last night as five and a half point dogs to Utah without Draymond Green. Yeah. And they don't have Clay, even like Clay has not been in the lineup for two years and they're still number one in the West. How could I not? I mean, yeah, yeah. It pains me to say it. I like the Warriors, but it pains me to be so, 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 so wrong. Who would you put the $100 on? I would put it on the Bucks. Yeah, I think the Bucks are – I give slight edge to the Warriors just because of just what I'm seeing. But I think it's harder for me to give the $100 to the Bucks because it's so hard to go back-to-back, right? Like, right. I, but Giannis I, is, 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 in, is incredible. They, they were my preseason pick, and I just – there's like a, a different air about a team sometimes after they win a championship, especially if they keep all of their pieces. And I think like it was an iffy run to the championship. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was a – it could have been derailed at any point. But I think sometimes when you go through that, it makes you a different team. And like you're not as shaky in the, in the times that you were shaky before. And I just think they're like waiting around. That is my perception of them, that they're just like, they're waiting around. They will be great at some point. I don't buy the Nets. Um, Me neither. You know, like the Warriors, as amazing as what they're doing, like, I I, I don't know. I, I would bet on I would bet on the Bucs if I had a bet. The Bucs are in a matchup nightmare for the Warriors, just with Giannis. Like Giannis is, I don't know who guards Giannis pretty much on almost any team. Um, you basically just have to try to like outscore them, which the Warriors I'm sure could. I, oh, I'm yeah. I'm like in love with the thought of Drew Holiday Steph Curry matchup. Like in love with the Dante DiVincenzo and Drew blitzing Steph, and like him turning the ball over 12, 12 times. Right. I can't right. I can't wait for that matchup. Um, and then like also they get Dante DiVincenzo back, right? And they'll get Brooke Lopez back in time for the playoffs. Maybe it's not a bad bet. That's to say, they said it like well ahead of schedule. Oh, really? Brooke Lopez is? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's always weird. It was a back thing with him, wasn't it? Back, he had yeah. back surgery. Yeah, always weird with a back thing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all your time today. This was fun. Yeah. And um, so Heat Check is the pod and uh, BetMGM Tonight is the um, the show, which is every night. I it's, it's really hard to jump into a show with two people who have already been doing a show with Ryan and Quentin. Yep. And uh, – it seems like you guys have, like, it, it happened very quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like you guys have fun. It happened in the test. Like, I could tell in the test show that we did that there was chemistry already pretty much baked in with just the personality types. Like, me and Quentin hated the Browns. Brian was on the over on their win total. And I'm like, listen, like, find someone as lo- that loves you as much as Vegas loves the Browns. And, like, Quinn's like, yes, you know, and then we were just kind of off to the races. So, yeah, no, it's been a, a good fit. Um, yeah, looking for looking forward to more, more growth and more stuff going on in the new year. Well, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I love the background in your, in your room for those who yeah, are Yeah, right? Yeah, look at me. I actually uh... – Put up stuff on the walls in one of the rooms of the house, and it ended up being the one that's it's on the so internet. hard to de- like to move in and decorate. It's, it's like, so I'm hard. You, it looks like you've been living in that room for years. Well, it's exactly when we moved in August. I took the exact same stuff that was in this room in the room that I did the podcast in the other one and put it in this room. So I didn't have to think about it. So that's good. Thanks Thank for you. having me, Spike. Yeah, of course. All right, we'll see Talk you on the internet. You. See you on the internet. Bye. Yeah.
That's it. Mike will be back on Wednesday. Um, thanks for hanging out. Oh, you gonna do it, CJ? Sure. Yeah, you know, look this. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Time for playing